Next on BYU Sports Nation, Cougar football responding after a road trip setback. What happened in Madison? What's next? And how BYU can still make this a season to remember. ESPN college football expert and former BYU national champ Trevor Maddich brings his no-nonsense analysis on the Cougars and Badgers. It's another Maddich Monday. Plus, BYU TV analyst David Nixon working double duty inside on football and BYU basketball. Cougar hoops in the Monday night national spotlight. Let's go. And now, live on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio, it's BYU Sports Nation with your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Hey, win or lose, BYU Sports Nation back at it on Monday, November 11th. First and foremost, a rise and shout to all of the veterans who protect this great land we live in. We respect and admire you. A happy Veterans Day to all of you real heroes right there. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan, wherever and however you may be listening. Thanks for making us at BYU Sports Nation part of your day. Okay, BYU football regrouping and moving forward after a rough road trip to Wisconsin, yet with an unprecedented November schedule in this program's history, that means another opportunity to rise up, reference that visits Notre Dame in two weeks. And Speaking of rising and on this Monday night, how about BYU basketball with a statement game at Stanford, part of ESPN's 24-hour marathon tip-off of college hoops. Great memories coming back of when BYU played on ESPN's Big Monday. Love that little run there. Cougar basketball win against the Cardinal tonight may to a degree lessen the sting of a rough Saturday for BYU football. It'd be a small degree, but it'd be nice. Stanford was not a good a team, as good a team as BYU last year. BYU... Uh, went to the fourth round. No, make it the fifth round of the NIT. Stanford went to the second round last year. So they were 19 and 15. BYU is a better team than Stanford. So BYU should go in there and win. Uh, and it would be a good win. We'll dive into that in a little bit. I think you were right the first time. Fourth round, 32 teams in the NIT. That's right. Oh, 32? Fourth? Okay. Yeah, that's BYU right. won three games, lost fourth. Trust, okay. your, trust yourself, Jerem. I was thinking there were 64. <laughs> if you're new to the program, you can listen to BYU Sports Nation every weekday at noon Eastern, 10 a.m. Mountain on BYURadio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, Sirius XM Channel 143, and Dish Network Channel 980, the show on demand every day on a very sharp and newly launched BYURadio.org. You can catch the rebroadcast each day, 7 p.m. Eastern on BYU Radio. That's how you listen. We'd like you to join our conversation. Send your tweets to at BYU Sports Nation. Like and comment on our new Facebook page and vote in our daily poll question at BYUTVSports.com. We want to hear from you as often as you like on any and all social media platforms. Okay, simple question today. What was your initial reaction to BYU's loss at Wisconsin? The Badgers are good. Too many missed opportunities. What happened? Or, <laughs> let's go beat Notre Dame. Uh, uh, my, whoa, 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 what just happened? A Mighty Wind. It's a uh, mockumentary. You got you to see it if you haven't. I'm quoting from that. <laughs> what happened? For me, tell you what. The Badgers are good. Really good. I would add a really in that. That is a good football team. I, I'd go with let's go beat Notre Dame. Just kind of acknowledge that. Wisconsin was good, but hey, the big opportunity is still waiting for BYU. Send in your tweets to at BYU Sports Nation. Tell us where you're listening to the show across BYU Sports Nation. Love to hear those, uh, where you're coming in from, and, and love to get your insight because everyone's got an opinion, and we welcome all of those at BYU Sports Nation on Twitter. And just vote in the poll because it's easy. 
And because we want to know what you think, a lot of, a lot of people, the, the, the initial reaction for me that I was getting on social media today and on Saturday, Jerem, was, was this. Wisconsin, while they're dominant, a lot of people still feel like BYU had plenty of opportunities. So I wouldn't be surprised to see too many missed opportunities win that poll. On that thought, rise and shout, my friends. It's time for What's Trending. Topic one. What's trending in BYU Sports Nation. Topic one. Wisconsin is good. Here's BYU safety Daniel Sorensen on the experience at Camp Randall and that the Cougars just flat out missed some opportunities. It was such a great environment here, playing a great team, and uh, we, we, we respect Wisconsin a lot, and, and we're going to learn from this. Uh, we're going to learn from the mistakes that we made, and the hardest thing is, is it was the opportunity that we had to play on national television against a uh, top Tony team, against a really good um, opponent, and uh, we, we missed our opportunity. Look, Daniel Sorensen, I, here's why I love this kid. He calls it how he sees it. He doesn't, he doesn't dodge the question. He realized that BYU had a chance to impress a lot of national voters and earn some more national street cred, but they just, they just missed. And well, another telling thing he said to me was, look, we knew. We knew what they were going to do. We knew what Wisconsin wanted to do, and we just could not execute. They could not stop it. Wisconsin's really good. I feel, I feel different about this loss than I did the Virginia and Utah games. Those felt to me like... Hey, wait a minute. BYU could have had a couple more plays and should have won the should have won those games. Should have. The Wisconsin game, I don't feel that way. I feel that Wisconsin is a really good team, is obviously a better team than BYU, and uh, beat BYU in the trenches. They were just stronger. They're a really good team. But that's the thing with the independent schedule that I, I want to shed some perspective on. Yes, yes, it's disappointing BYU didn't win the game. But when you play a challenging schedule, you're going to lose some games. It's going to happen. That's the challenge. Uh, how many times has BYU gone, un- gone undefeated in a season? One time. One time. It's really hard to do. Uh, ask Oregon how hard it is to go undefeated. Um, BYU goes and plays Wisconsin loses the game. I'm not saying I'm okay with the loss, but it's just easier to accept because there's still a lot to play for for BYU in this season. It certainly helps that they have Notre Dame left on the schedule yeah. and, and the possibility to win 10 games if you factor in a bowl game, a which, quality, which they're going to play. Yeah, quality bowl opponent, whoever it is. So yeah, there are, there are still chances for BYU to go out and earn some national credibility. And that's, that's what a team needs to do after a tough loss like that. There's, there's still something to play for. Does that not say something about the program and what Tom Holmo has done and Bronco Mendenhall has done agreeing to play these games in late November? Look, would you... And BYU only lost by 10. Let's not act like it was 21 or something. Like, it, BYU, there, there, are, there are moments where you thought, hey, if they play here, play there. Even if they score at the end of the game, you just make it a three-point game and you say... Uh, people that didn't watch the game may perceive that game a little differently, but B- BYU was never really in the game, right? So it once it's at, at halftime, once it's uh, what is it, seventeen three at halftime? Yeah. At that point, that was enough. That was enough points for Wisconsin to tie at the end of the game, right? But BYU didn't get destroyed. They weren't blown out. It was just they they were overmatched for sure. BYU, moving forward, will have more opportunities to play in notable games like this because of the independence factor. Yeah, you have two more this season. remember, this is still a new idea. This is still something brand new to the BYU football program, but because they're playing more notable opponents on a more regular basis, that's only going to help this program. You're not going to win them all, but it will help you as a program. You want to win some. Yes, it will help you as a program get better. And they have won some. It's always easy to forget 
The wins after a tough loss. Guess what? BYU went on the road and beat Houston, which is turning out to be a pretty darn good win. Right. It's they, not the same as a Wisconsin or Notre Dame, but it's good. They're having they're having an opportunity to go out and win some games that are going to be really tough. They're going to play some good opponents in the future and late in the season. That's a good sign for BYU as a program overall. It's bigger than just one game. I know it's hard to look past Wisconsin because you lost them there. You see the chance you had, but the program can still move forward as a whole and gain experience by playing games like this late in November. The next step is winning these games on the road. Being an independent, BYU is having to do a lot of two-for-ones. Two road games, one home game. So you need occasionally to win these kind of road games. And in 2018, when BYU goes back to Wisconsin, it will have been a long time since this game that was played on Saturday. But Wisconsin comes here in 2017. Uh, Notre Dame is going to... There's still... Four more games after this year with Notre Dame. Two home, two road. There's going to be games on the road that BYU's... You've got to win, you've got to win some of those uh, in independence to be taken seriously, to be a ranked team. And that was the opportunity to be, for BYU to get ranked. They didn't win, but they can still, in my opinion, finish the season ranked if they can win out, including wins against Notre Dame and whoever it is in the bowl game. Here's something to think about. Would you rather play Idaho and New Mexico State and win 56 to nothing in November or... Would you take a loss at Wisconsin like the one BYU had on Saturday? An interesting tweet from uh, one of my favorite follows on Twitter, at Zach Bloxham, at Z Bloxham, B-L-O-X-H-A-M. This guy's awesome. He's a BYU fan who's going to Gonzaga Law School. He says, losing to a ranked Wisconsin in Madison was more enjoyable for me than beating Middle Tennessee in Provo. Interesting perspective. That, that's exactly my point. You you have an opportunity. You're playing a good football team. You're relevant. Your name is out there. Did did BYU embarrass themselves? No. That was not an embarrassing game. It was it's tough to watch as a BYU fan because you want them to win that game and you want people to You thought to we think, were capable of better. Yes. Yes, and I'll flat out admit, I was I underestimated BYU's ability to stop Wisconsin's run. I thought the defensive front seven for the Cougars was good enough to stop Wisconsin more than they did. So you overestimated yes, BYU's defense. I overestimated BYU's defense. And that Wisconsin offensive line is legit. They are real. They they will knock you in the mouth. And uh, I, I think that you come out, you get punched in the mouth, they go right down the field, they convert a third and 13 on that first drive, which is just killer. That, that killed a me. killer. But they come down and they, they do what they want. And Wisconsin's a good football team. No, No one's denying that. What what gets me is th- these fans that that they will chime in and say, "Well, BYU they should they should win every game. They should they should have won that game. They blew it. They blew it. Did they blow it, or did Wisconsin just beat them?" Topic two. All of those little things. We go back to BYU safety Daniel Sorensen post game says it was physical, and like I said, BYU just wasn't able to execute. It was a physical game, I thought. Um, run between the tackles, and I think it came down to, to missed assignments and, and missed execution. Um, I think we had an idea of what they were going to do, and, and that's what they did, and, and we, we, just couldn't, we just couldn't execute like we wanted to. Daniel Sorensen on the BYU TV Sports Post game, talking with Dave McCann in Madison. Camp Randall came out, out of the locker room and said, look, we just, we just couldn't execute at a high enough level to stop them. And credit Wisconsin for executing at a high level. 
they they did so many good things against a really stout BYU defense that had been stout up to this point. But have the Cougars faced a team like this all year? No. No, last year I think Notre Dame was the closest of, uh, you know, the as Trevor Maddich called them, the fatties. And they ran the ball on BYU. Yeah, and they ran the they threw the ball just three times or something in the second half. So, yeah, Wisconsin's a really, really good team. If they don't lose to Arizona State, they're top 15 right now. Somehow they only moved up two spots, by the way, after the, the win. I thought they'd climb a little bit more. I thought BYU had a little more street cred. Uh, but they're 22, Michigan State 16. Wisconsin in their last three games, none of which are meaningful. Uh, what is it? Il- not Illinois. It's uh, Minnesota, Penn State, and somebody else. They have three games left. I don't know that they can get into the top 14 to get into the BCS. But here's, here's the hope for BYU. Not that it does much, but it does something. That Wisconsin gets a BCS at large. That Texas gets the BCS automatic bid out of the Big 12. That Houston could have beaten Central Florida, which, by the way, Houston, playing at 21st-ranked Central Florida, has a first-end goal down five with 30 seconds left, and they can't get it done. Texas won in overtime, though. But Wisconsin's really good. Don't get me wrong. Um, and it was you're right. It was the little things. A couple of things that stuck out to me. Seven dropped passes at Jeff Johnston, another good follow on Twitter. Uh, he says, in each of BYU's losses, there have been seven or more dropped passes by receivers. No more than three drops in any of the six wins. Got to hang on. That's a great point. Uh, other things that stuck out. Third down conversion, seven of 19. Wisconsin was seven of 17, by the way. But they converted in a more timely manner than BYU. Not all third down conversions are created equal. Key penalties. Uh, punting at your own 32-yard line. Yikes. That you punt into the end zone, so you have a net punt of 12 yards. Was it the 33 or the 32? Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Nine, BYU had nine drives of six plays or less. So that means you get one first down and then you punt. How so, many three and outs? Six? Not sure how many were, were three and out. Well, I can look it up. I'm thinking but it's six. You had nine of six or less, meaning you don't really switch field position or put yourself in an opportunity to... Get a field goal. For example, Van Noy's interception. BYU, I think that's the one where they punted at the 32. So those those little things contributed to what we saw. Now let's say BYU's good in all of those facets of the game. They're in the game at the end. Uh, yet I think that Wisconsin just controlled the game more than BYU could, and it wasn't it wasn't that BYU didn't execute. Is that it was that Wisconsin was uh, was a better team. A couple of things that stuck out in my mind during that game. One. BYU going three and out late in the second quarter, allowing Wisconsin enough time to drive the field, and they scored They score a touchdown, which was huge because BYU had deferred. BYU was going to get the ball to start it the half. It was going to be 10-3 with BYU getting the ball. So that totally put a different spin on the game going into the locker room. Wisconsin certainly feeling in control at that point. And then uh, you mentioned the, the punts. Two punts inside Wisconsin territory early. BYU banking on their defense would give them field position, and they just could not stop it. We're told they're you know, swirling wins. I mean, after the game, Dave and Blaine on BYU TV are... With, when Blaine Fowler's hair moves, you know it's super windy. <laughs> He's got good product in there. It was all over the place. So it was windy. I understand a 49-yard field goal is not going to happen. You know, why not go for it? And, and there were some interesting um, you know, calls down the stretch where there's, what, seven-ish minutes left and BYU doesn't go for it on a fourth and three. They have a penalty, fourth and eight, where you think, hey, you're not going to get three possessions left in the game. BYU runs the ball with 20 seconds left and... Uh, Taysom scrambles too long, so that's the last play. So, uh, 
there were just there were many things that happened at Wisconsin uh, that BYU can do a little bit better. But Wisconsin's a good team, you know, and and you're not always going to win that game. In fact, if you put some of the best teams BYU's ever produced and go and try and win that game, still a tough. I game. think it's going to be a tough yeah, game for really? any of those teams. Put 06 BYU considered the best team in the Bronco Mendenhall era. Take them there. That would be a great game. I think that BYU maybe squeaks that one out. That's a good BYU team, but that's a good game because of the way Wisconsin matched up with BYU, which BYU liked, by the way, but couldn't match up with them. BYU's down 20-10 to 10 in the third quarter. They hold Wisconsin. Cody Hoffman makes a great catch, a little bit of momentum swinging back to BYU. They hold, they get the ball back, three and out. And that's just kind of the storyline of the game. Yeah, I mean, that you're there, but you're... But you're not. <laughs> you're staying close enough, but you just don't do enough to win. Okay. Happier moments inside of our next topic. Topic three. One win down, so what's next for BYU basketball? Here's guard Tyler Hawes after 28 points, a double-double for him. He says the team is really good, not when necessarily he plays well, but when his buddy and the other team guard, Matt Carlino, produces. It definitely helps us. Um, when, when Matt's playing well, it seems like everyone else is, is playing well and kind of steps their game up. And so um, when, when he's right, everyone else is right. Matt Carlino taking some serious flack for his hair, but certainly not <laughs> for his it's game. Not the, it's not the buzzed head from last year, but now it's, I don't know what's going on now. It's somewhere in between. It's probably the uh, fan favorite. Don't hate the curl. Don't hate the curls. Oh, I don't hate it. I'm just saying I I'm think not, there's something better. I'm, not, I'm, I'm talking to those across BYU oh, okay. Sports Nation that may or may not <laughs> agree with Carlino's hair selection. Listen to this line. 10 Who cares for, if he has this line? 10 for 22, 22 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. 2 turnovers. Just 2 turnovers. Which, yes. Which was a huge yes. concern last year was his assist-to-turnover ratio like that. He's got a 3-to-1 turnover ratio right there, which is Fantastic as a guard. Did you know he is number one in BYU history in assists per game right now? How is that? It, it, how is that, that overlooked? Four point seven. It's it's because of uh, just selection of you know uh, choice of where he goes. When he played really well in that game. By the way, Tyler Hawes, twenty eight points, thirteen rebounds, career high thirteen against Weber State in the big win uh, by nine. Tyler Hawes uh, goes twenty and ten. For the just second time in his career, that shouldn't be overlooked. So BYU gets this nice win against Weber State to start the year. Which, by the way, BYU's non-conference schedule this year in men's hoops solid, baby, solid. Better and more opportunities to build the resume in the non-conference. Stanford, Iowa State coming up here in just a little bit. That's a great home Texas, game. great home game. Wichita State or DePaul. Wichita State went to the Final Four last year. That's next week. So yeah. lo- lots going on. Some opportunity. It sounds familiar. Kind of like the football team. Wait a minute. Yeah. But Stanford tonight. Stanford tonight. ESPN's tip-off marathon special. They do 24 hours straight of college basketball. So if you have even a little bit of a pulse as a college basketball fan, this is kind of like an early Christmas present. And if you're a BYU fan, hey, great opportunity to build your NCAA tournament resume early. I think Weber State's going to win the big sky. No they're kidding. They're, they're a 30 win team. Last they're year. good. They're a good basketball team. BYU was up by 19 at one point, and, and you, the Wildcats looked a little flustered in the beginning. And, and you can say that well, it's because they only played one exhibition game, and and we won't go into detail, details of that. But but look, they're a good. They're a good basketball team. Weaver State's going to win. They're going to win some games. I called the game. Yeah. What What did you notice? Having called the game, I noticed that BYU and Ky- the return of Kyle Collinsworth for me is going to be. 
the Y factor, if you will, on the basketball team. Telling you what, he looked really good coming off the mission and uh, just about had one of the sickest dunks I've seen in the Marriott Center. Couldn't couldn't finish it off, but uh, really, really, just his ability to soar was nice. BYU was totally different on offense. Totally different. So do you remember uh, Calipari at Memphis? There'd be all these dribble drive handoffs, right? That's kind of his thing. They do it at Kentucky still on the perimeter. That's totally new look for BYU. For the past several years, BYU's offense has been get the ball quickly down the court, get it to the wing, get the ball in the post. We're going to screen. We're going to screen on the perimeter and look for open jump shots. That's the offense. Do you know how many three point shots BYU took? Nine. It took BYU thirteen minutes to make one. That's because they had only taken two. I love the fact that BYU went to the rim consistently, at the rim, at the rim. That's just high-percentage shots. I love that. And so BYU hopes to carry that into a huge resume builder tonight against Stanford. This is a good little test on ESPN2. Here's the stat you don't want to hear for tonight. BYU is on ESPN2. In the Dave Rose era, BYU is 2-11 on ESPN2. That has nothing to do with this game, though. Let's make it number three, baby. (laughs) BYU-Stanford tonight on ESPN2. Coming up on BYU Sports Nation, we go inside the lines with David Nixon and Trevor Maddich, two guys that know a thing or two about football and basketball when we're talking about David Nixon, who also called the game with me. Keep it here on BYU Sports Nation for all things Cougar sports. We'll be back with more BYU Sports Nation right after this. And now, back to more BYU Sports Nation. It's a Monday! Rise up, my friends. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here. You can follow us at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jerem Jordan. Join the show's growing Twitter following at BYU Sports Nation. Tonight on True Blue with Dave McCann, Mike Haig is in studio. Blaine Fowler previews BYU's uh, final home game against Idaho State and a look at what one BYU student is doing to improve technology about concussions. It's interesting. Watch and listen to True Blue tonight at 8.30 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Our Twitter debate today, or question, whatever you want to call it, is what was your initial reaction after BYU's loss at Camp Randall and Wisconsin? And we're getting some great response in on Twitter and Facebook. We'll go to at LaserSheep. And he said, I expected this to be the big test. BYU never had momentum. They rolled over at the end, confused. I want to know the origin of at LaserSheep. I'm just trying to come up with a sound. That, <laughs> how do I bat with laser? I can't think of it. At Troy B. Adams, we were two drops away from, at worst, a four-point loss and at best, a three-point win. Okay, so so I'm guessing Go. Troy on our poll question is thinking a few plays a few, short. A few plays short. A few plays short. Mm-hmm. Okay, at uh, Macoby Blue. Maco- <laughs> oh, that's so wrong. Moco BYU Blue. Blue. There we go. Yeah, that was a fail. Hard. That was a fail. At the game, swirling gusty 20 mile an hour winds made it tough on the passing game. Picked up penalty flags, were drive killers. Triple's great. Wisconsin welcomed the fans. This was a good step in the program. Now we need to win these games. That goes back to what you just said, Jerem. The next step is not only getting these games, competing well in them, but finding a way to win some of them. A reminder tonight's uh, BYU Stanford game is at 11 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, it'll be live on ESPN2 and BYU Radio. Uh, and I, I really, right now, I'm trying to ID the game that when my five-month-old wakes up in the early morning, which, which game is going to be on? When, uh, so is it 1 a.m. Western Kentucky at 
13th ranked Wichita State? Is it the 3 a.m. Akron at St. Mary's of interest to WCC fans? <laughs> or the 5 a.m. New Mexico State at Hawaii? I'm hoping... I'm hoping it's the St. Mary's game. I'm hoping she wakes up between 3 and 5 a.m. tomorrow morning. <laughs> Go, don't harass your child. I'm just going to say that. Let... Or or maybe or maybe I just you know uh, just nudge, pinch just pin, nudge her j- just nudge her. Hey, wake up! It's Akron at St. Mary's. Let's go. Oh, get your sleep, Jerem. DVR, man. DVR I w- it. I need to. I need a DVR. You know, just just record the yeah, game. Watch ESPN, baby. Uh, coming up in just a few moments, David Nixon will talk Cougar football. He watched the game closely on Saturday, part of the BYU TV countdown to kickoff and BYU TV sports postgame. Also, he called the game with uh, me on Friday night, BYU basketball against Weber State. His thoughts on the Cougars moving forward and what he was most impressed with. We talked about some of the statistics and some of the players that just flat out got it done. Matt Carlino, Tyler Haas, Kyle Collinsworth had a superlative effort. And Eric Mika, who is expected to fill the shoes of Brandon Davies, easier said to than done. To a degree. Uh, scored seven points, only took six, uh, only shot the ball six times, but he's, his presence in the middle is very noticeable. He had a key block shot at one point when Weber State the went three on a blocks. run. Yeah. One of those blocks, if Weber State scores that layup, they're within four and they have all of the momentum, but Mika blocks it. BYU goes the other direction, up six. Matt Carlino gets fouled and one, and they're up nine, just like that. Five-point swing, credit Eric Mika, the freshman stepping in and playing big for BYU basketball. Did you expect him to have a better first game, or was that on par? I felt like Eric Mika would would be a a little more involved on the offensive side of things. Defensively, I thought he was great, and he stayed out of foul trouble for most of the game, which is another huge concern for BYU's young big guys how to keep them out of foul trouble, especially with the new rule changes coming into place with the hand checks. Referees are going to start to call those things a little more closely. There's just not as not as much leeway down in the post. Yeah, and and on the perimeter where it's going to yeah it's going to it's going to come into play. I think more on the perimeter than it is in the post. I asked Tyler Hawes after the game. I said, "What did, what did you think of the new rule?" He said, "I'm not sure what to think of it yet because of the uh, consistency issue." I had a side conversation with Tyler. I said, hey, 28 points. More importantly, you're making it look easy. And all he said was, yeah, I missed some shots I should have made. <laughs> that's, that's Tyler Haas. Oh, good things to come for Mr. Haas moving forward. BYU basketball. Check him out tonight against Stanford. We welcome to BYU Sports Nation a regular. His name is David Nixon. And now he's wearing a couple of hats. Not only is he a great football analyst for us on BYU TV, now he is taking in basketball courtside, an accomplished hoops player in high school. And David, I understand you almost gave up football to play basketball. Tell us what that's all about, my friend. Hey, true statement. Uh... First of all, good, good to talk to you guys. Uh, but uh, no, it, it's true. I, my sophomore year, um, you know, I, I was enjoying football, but I really did like basketball more. And I had two older brothers; they had really focused on basketball. So I approached my football coach and said, "Hey, I think I'm focused on basketball. I mean, it's been real, you know." And uh, they they really urged me to come back. Like, hey, give one more year. You know, we really need what uh, yada yada yada. And uh, anyways, I went out the next year and had a lot of fun. And I was like, oh, "I'll probably stick with both." So. I'm kind of obviously glad I, I stuck with football because I unfortunately don't have the height to play basketball, especially because I was six three playing our post in high school, and yeah, that, that quite it wouldn't quite work at BYU. It's so. <laughs> on par with Matt Carlino on BYU's roster right now. Exactly. Yeah, I'd be the point guard, which I don't have the handle, so <laughs> I, was, I would have been in trouble. David, uh, before we jump into Wisconsin and then talk some hoops, uh, you, you told me an interesting story, which I want you to share on the air here, which is uh, at. 
with your time in the NFL, there were some times where you would get in player performance checks. I think you mentioned uh, just some <laughs> yeah. some easy dough on like f- special teams and stuff. Yeah, yeah, those were uh, those were the good days, man. Um, they, so they had a kind of a bonus deal where, uh, so the lower you're drafted, so I was a free agent. The lower you drafted, the more money you got per play. At the end of the year, they basically cut you this big check. And uh, so, if you're a first round draft pick, you probably got you know 75 bucks a play. Um, but uh, for us undrafted guys, I was you know I was getting like four four fifty five hundred bucks a play. This is a play. So, this is for so, six uh, seconds. A play, yeah. And 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 Darren and I were, were laughing. You know, I was raising my hand. Hey, put me on the on the uh, field goal block team because you go out there and you take you take two steps and you walk out the field and you're like, yes, that was well worth it. So, <laughs> it was, uh, so I got to my rookie year, and then because of the lockout. Um, in the uncapped year, that second year I didn't get it, and then because of the result of the lockout, the third year I didn't get it either. So I kind of got shafted those last two years. But those were uh, those were good times. I played with one guy who was undrafted, he tackle out of Harvard, and uh, he ended up because of injuries ended up playing a ton his rookie year. And because he's undrafted, his player performance check was I think like two fifty or three hundred thousand dollars, and that's that's on top of his. So he paid uh, for uh, one year of tuition. So he basically paid for one dinner. Um, for wow! Game, you know, so. <laughs> David Nixon joining BYU Sports Nation, and David, we're going to talk hoops and football. We'll start with football. You've had a little more than forty-eight hours to digest what happened uh, with BYU. Well, I shouldn't say forty-eight hours; almost forty-eight hours to digest what exactly happened in Madison. The BYU football team had a great opportunity to go out and give themselves an opportunity to be discussed in that BCS bowl game conversation. They fall short by 10. What's your initial takeaway as to why BYU could not get it done? You know, after listening to the post-game interviews from the players, they were they were kind of, um, I wouldn't say upbeat, but, but they, they basically kind of, I think, had the same feeling that I had. It was the fact that Wisconsin was just a better team. And and it's hard for a BYU fan, and especially an ex-player, to say, uh, because I felt like every time we walked on the field, and I imagine they walked on the field too, thinking we can beat anybody in this country, really. But at the end of that game, we just got manhandled the entire game. I mean, usually when you get beat like that, you know, 27-17, the score looks closer than, than it really was with that touchdown we added late. But, um, you know, usually we can point to turnovers. Oh, there were some fluke plays that, you know, if we played at Boise State, they ran some crazy trick plays or whatever it may be, and we got beat. But Wisconsin, they just handed it to us. And, and I, I think that's the toughest pill to swallow, the fact that we just had no answer for them. We, offensively, we could never get in a rhythm uh, throughout the game, and, and Taysom just couldn't find that comfort zone and, and really be able to produce. And defensively, we just couldn't stop the run. And, of course, when you, when you can't stop the run, then that opens up the play-action passes, and, and you know their, their passing game was simple um, because they, they were able to get four or five yards to pop on us. So um, it, it, it's hard because, like I said, you don't want to admit that you couldn't really hang with them, but we really couldn't. I mean, you look at the turnover margin. We won the turnover margin, and to still get handled like that, it goes to show you that Wisconsin is, is just a better team. And I think you know there's a big debate going forward: Can BYU hang with the Big Ten, Pac-12, you know, Big 12 teams? And uh, you know, I think we can most definitely, but you know, you, you look at the top tier of those programs with Wisconsin be the top tier of the of that conference. Uh, I, I don't know. That, that that's a tough one to, to to call. And when you look at the body of work on the schedule so far, BYU has produced some solid wins. They've they beat uh, probably the second or third best Big Twelve team in Texas, handled them. 
you defeated, uh, you know, Georgia Tech was solid. Houston is, has proven to be uh, better than we thought. Boise State is the best, I hate the phrase, but mid-major in the country, whatever. <laughs> Wisconsin we knew would be tough. So now yeah. looking forward, Notre Dame, they look way more vulnerable than maybe we thought. Pitt is 5-4 and four and beat Notre Dame yeah. at home. What it, uh, I, w- I was going to say not to overlook Idaho State. I'm going to overlook Idaho State. Uh, yeah, I, I BYU at Notre Dame, what do you think? I, I think BYU has a great chance. I watched the second half of that Notre Dame Pitt game, and it, and it really, it really, they really weren't impressive to me. I, you know, I, obviously they've got great talent and got great players, uh, but I think we'll match up well against them, and I think that will probably be the most intriguing game of the year is, is, is to see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely think you can overlook Idaho State. Look, you know, they lost to Washington fifty-nine to zero. You know, they really struggled amongst their opponents. So. Uh, you know, it, with it being an emotional game, with this being the seniors' last game, you know, I remember my last game. You know, we were playing. Uh, uh, I want to say UNLV or San Diego State. I was to show you. I can't remember who it was. Yeah, I was going to say. Do you really remember who yeah, it was? Exactly. <laughs> I think, uh, it was San Diego State. I want to say, um, and it was San Diego State. Yeah, and you know, they were they were terrible that year, and we were. You know, we hadn't lost a conference game and or at home for three years. And so we're obviously very confident, um, but the motion itself that comes with the seniors' last game being in the last time you'll step foot in the LES, you know, it's something special. And so I don't think they'll be down for the game, or they will, they'll look, truly look past it. But I think as fans, we can kind of chalk it up as a win. But uh, but that Notre Dame game, you know, there's still a lot that this very team can prove, and especially with how young you, know, you have with Taysom, Jamal, some of those offensive players. Uh, this is this one of those big stepping stones that will hopefully kind of propel them in the next season and give them that confidence they'll need next season. But, um, you know, as fans, it, it'll be fun to watch. And like I said, I think I, I think we stack up pretty well against Notre Dame and, and have a great chance to go out there and, and kind of put an exclamation mark on the season. Uh, you know, we've had some tough losses, and especially with this Wisconsin one, which will sting for a while. But, but I know the players, you know, know that that wasn't their best outing or showing, and, and they'll definitely want to prove something against Notre Dame. Okay, David. Uh, David Nixon joining us on BYU TV. Uh, sorry, BYU Sports Nation. He is part of BYU TV's countdown to kick off on the BYU TV Sports post game. The pa- the fan base is so passionate, and and so after a loss like this, there's there's some frustration, negativity swirling around. How can BYU as a program spin what happened in Wisconsin positively and make the program better? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I agree. Fan base, there's a lot of question marks with how the game was managed there at the end and was Bronco waving the white flag when he decided to punt it with, you know, seven minutes to go. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, BYU went in there to, to a hostile environment, you know, at Wisconsin where they haven't, you know, lost very many games there, especially against non-conference opponents. And BYU still put up a good fight. We lost 27-17. It wasn't a blowout. You know, we had glimpses of, of promise there where the offense looked great, the defense looked great. Um, we were able, we weren't able to put the whole game together, but you look at this independent schedule and it just continues to get stronger and stronger. And, and, and with us playing Wisconsin, you know, it shows you still have some room to go, but this is a work in progress. And I think that's what Billy fans have to realize is you can't just go from Mountain West to, you know, playing Wisconsin at their place and beating them. I mean, this is going to take a few years and, and with BYU continue to get the coverage that they are, uh, you know, I, I think we'll continue to get better athletes, et cetera. So, uh, the, the takeaway from this is the fact that it was a competitive game. Granted, you know, we, we kind of got manhandled, but when I say competitive, as in the final score, it uh, wasn't a blowout. Um, but it goes to show you that, you know, BYU has the capability to, to play these top teams, um, but it's going to take some time. And I, I know that's hard for everyone to say because we're all about what can you do for me now. Uh, but 
you know, it, it is what it is. And, and I think, you know, if BYU continues to go forward, uh, we'll have more opportunities and we'll, we'll get them back here to our place and uh, continue to prove what we got. But still a young team offensively, defensively, we've got some, you know, seniors on there. But you look at the injury bug hit us this past week and at the inopportune times with Spencer Hadley going down and Mitch Matthews. So there's some takeaways from it that uh, hopefully helps soften the blow. But uh, no, no question that they've got to continue to get better because at the end of the day, you're right, Cougar fans, all they want to see are victories. Wrapping up with David Nixon on BYU Sports Nation. And David, you were an undrafted free agent. We, we joked with you about uh, your quick paydays and things like that and being in those plays. But there are a couple of guys on BYU's team, namely Cody Hoffman and Kyle Van Noy, who are expected to uh, make some big money in the NFL. And in a spotlight game like this, what did Cody and Kyle do to help or not help their draft stock? You know, I think they both had great outings. You look at Cody with another 100-yard, two-touchdown-plus game. I mean, he's he's really making a name for himself. I'll be interested to see how he times out at the Combine and, uh, you know, what what his 40 time is. Unfortunately, the NFL loves those 40 times, and they, I almost feel like that's all they live off of. But, um, you know, I, I think that will help or hurt his draft stock. He'll have a chance at the Senior Bowl along with Kyle uh, to, to show their skills, which is a great showcase, you know, that they can kind of go out there and do their thing. Um, and then Kyle, you know, the first series, he had that nice tackle for loss, and, um, you know, he had glimpses of, of, of promise, too. It, it's tough with, with both those players because they're, they're both, they both get double-teamed, and, and um, so it's tough for them to produce, but both somehow find ways to do it. You know, Kyle with his interception, too. So, uh, I, actually, him and I were texting. I was joking with him. I told him that was the easiest pick I'll ever get, and he texted me after the game and said, you like that? And I was, I was, I was, I was trying to give him a hard time about uh, that uh, he's going to call out a pick when he just was laying on his back and the ball fell into his stomach. But, um, but I mean, that's, that's him. He's a playmaker. He's, a, he's like I said, at the right place at the right time. So I'm excited to see what, what happens with him. I, you know, I, I think uh, both, like you said, have a great opportunity. But then you have the other guys, like a Daniel Sorensen, who I think no question will have a chance um, if it's either drafted in the late rounds or as a free agent to, to show uh, what he's got. I mean, he, he's been outstanding on special teams this year. And, and the feedback from scouts is that, you know, they would draft him just on his special teams ability because, you know, in the NFL, special teams are a huge part of the game. So it'll be interesting to see how these seniors uh, play out. I mean, they, they've still got four games to really show what they're uh, made of and uh, starts this week with Iowa State, but uh, will really be showcased there against Notre Dame. Okay, uh, last question. In 10 seconds, why will BYU beat Stanford tonight in men's hoops? Tyler Hawes, Matt Carlino, and Nika cannot get in foul trouble. If that happens... It's going to be a great game. David Nixon, thanks so much for the time on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, We'll be talking to you soon, my friend. Yeah, sounds good. Take care, guys. Up next, ESPN's Trevor Maddich. No-nonsense analysis on the Cougars and Badgers, how BYU can still spin this thing positively. This is BYU Sports Nation. Stay with us. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is Taysom Hill, and you are listening to BYU Sports Nation. Thank you, Taysom. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan tonight. The men's basketball team, huge opportunity at Stanford in the ESPN College tip-off marathon. The Cougars and Cardinal live at 11 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Mountain. The game live on ESPN2 and BYU Radio. BYU TV will rebroadcast that game tomorrow, 10 p.m. Mountain, midnight Eastern time. For those on the East Coast, this is the 11-11 at 11 game. That's right. It is. 11's up. 
We welcome back to the show Trevor Maddich. It's another Maddich Monday, and Trevor, uh, first and foremost, BYU and Wisconsin, you were right. It was smash-mouth football. Unfortunately for Cougar fans, it seemed like Wisconsin uh, got the better end uh, in, in the trenches. What do you think? Well, Dave, on the BYU offensive side of the ball, yeah. I mean, the Wisconsin front seven is very good. It's one of the best, along with Michigan State and Ohio State, in the Big Ten at stopping the run. And the thing is, the the BYU offensive line uh, is just not quite yet up to speed. It's a work in progress. And the fact that they platoon guys in there means that what they're trying to do is overcome a lack of experience uh, with wearing down the defense. And if you don't get first downs, you can't wear down the defense, and that, that kind of hurts. And so that's one of the things that, that made it look worse than it was in there, that BYU wasn't able to get those first downs, drop some passes, got some penalties, and that started a whole big snowball going downhill. Did the BYU defense play well enough to win if the offense had brought it more? The BYU defense actually was magnificent, and they won't get credit for it because it's a loss. And it looked like Wisconsin just dominated, but Wisconsin did not. The, when you look at the, the final tally here, Wisconsin averages 37 points a game. They got 27 against BYU's defense. They got about 50 yards less rushing yards against BYU than their average. They had a lower yards per rush against BYU than they normally do. And from a passing standpoint, they averaged about eight yards per pass attempt. They got six per pass attempt against BYU. So BYU's defense actually played very, very well. The the problem was that the offense, once again, couldn't string together uh, enough to enough first downs in order to let the defense rest a little bit. And I think there's a stretch early in the game that exemplifies what happened. Wisconsin got the ball first. They had an 11-play, 76-yard touchdown drive. They converted a third and 13 uh, early in that drive, and good for them, and, and they got that. But then when it looked like Wisconsin was going to have the upper hand in the game, look at what happened. The next four drives, BYU's defense held them to three and out or less. The fourth of those was two plays and an interception. So after that first touchdown, four consecutive Wisconsin drives, three and out or less, BYU's defense was winning, but the offense wasn't giving them any time to rest. They kept on having to go right back out onto the field. And so things started to fall apart a little bit, a couple of of long drives for Wisconsin after that. So I think BYU's defense didn't just live up to the expectation. I thought they exceeded the expectation against one of the best power rushing teams in the country. Trevor Maddich of ESPN joining BYU Sports Nation. And Trevor, you talked about BYU's defense showing up. This was a showcase game not only for the team, but for some remarkable players as well. We're going to talk about Cody, uh, Kyle Van Noy and Cody Hoffman. Let's start with Kyle Van Noy first because we're talking defense right now. Did Kyle help or hurt or his draft stock? What, what do you think? How, how did you assess his performance against Wisconsin? I think he helped his draft stock. One of the reasons that, that he came back was to show to improve the part of his game that required him to stand in front of a big, powerful offensive lineman and just take on the block in the running game. He had been so good in seasons past at running around blocks, at playing in space, but the scouts wanted to see him take on those blocks, and against Wisconsin, that was a great opportunity. And I went back and watched part of that game on, on tape and saw Van Noy stand in there against those big, Wisconsin tight ends and offensive tackles and not just play well but show good technique I mean you saw him use leverage extend his arms shed the block hold his ground he did a lot of very good things and that's one of the reasons that the defense did better against the run against Wisconsin than most teams do 
And Cody Hoffman uh, has seven catches, a buck 13, two touchdowns. He becomes the BYU receiving yards uh, all-time leader, which kind of gets lost in the shovel. How did his performance uh, affect his draft stock? Well, I think it helps because in the NFL, you, you won't be open. Open in college football is when there's nobody near you. In the NFL, open is when there's somebody on top of you, but there's a small window where the quarterback can put the ball and you can win a fight for it. And Cody Hoffman just won fight after fight for that football against a physical Wisconsin defense that tried to beat him up, and they weren't able to stop him. The problem was he didn't have other uh, receivers help him out. There were too many drops in other parts of, of the offense, and the penalties really hurt him. I mean, the offensive line had several false starts, which you expect is a, a risk when you're on the road in a loud place, but at the same time, you just can't have that. You know, they had a 12 men on the field, 12 men on the huddle penalty, penalties that are not continuation of the play penalties. It's one thing if you're, you get called for holding. You know, that's a, you're, you're trying as hard as you can, and things get out of hand, and you might fall down, and you grab on, whatever. It's one thing if you have a, a, a hit out of bounds where it's, the guy steps out of bounds, and you continue your rush towards him, and you're just a tiny bit late. Not a flagrant one, but a, things like that you can understand. But BYU's offense had at least four penalties pre-snap that were completely avoidable. And against the good teams like Wisconsin, BYU's not good enough to be able to overcome that. And when you combine that with the drops, you have the offense, really the, the reason why. The offense wasn't able to hold up their part of the bargain. And guys, one of the things that we've talked about before is you've got to take the things on offense that are there. The, if the ball hits you in the hands, then catch it. You, you have drops sometimes where the defense will come in and actually knock it away. But if it hits you in the hands, catch the ball. Things like that, the easy plays that are there to be taken against the better teams, you've got to take every single one of those. Against good teams like Wisconsin, when you miss one of those, it leads to a punt. And when you punt, the defense is back on the field. And one thing about BYU's defense is that the starting group is in the top tier of defenses in the country. I put them in the top 12 defenses in the country in terms of their starters. But they don't have enough depth to be able to continue to rotate in against Wisconsin and stop them cold. They, they slowed them down, but they didn't stop them cold. And the offense has a lot to do with helping the defense do that. Trevor Maddich of ESPN, college football expert joining BYU Sports Nation. Trevor, uh, we'll get to your trip to Tuscaloosa in just a moment, but let's talk about what BYU does now. They're 6-3. and three, They have the disappointing loss to Wisconsin. Why do you still feel like this season, uh, in terms of looking at the program overall, can be a great success? Well, they, they still have the ability to beat Notre Dame which would be a, a huge win if they're able to pull that off, a signature win for the season. The fact that they knocked off Texas in the fashion that they did early in the season is a huge jewel in the crown of this season. That's fantastic. But to go to Notre Dame, and this is a Notre Dame team that still is dangerous, but it's a beatable team, that would be a good thing. Now, don't sleep on Idaho State. They're next, and then Nevada they finish it with. But BYU could, could finish this season with 10 wins if they go to a bowl game and win that. With wins over Texas and Notre Dame, and that's fantastic. The, and so there, plus, you've got the improvement. I mean, the defense right now is really rolling. They've got a system going on that's been consistent for years that has turned out an outstanding performance on that side of the ball. Offensively, you've got Taysom Hill coming back. You've got a good young core of receivers that, that need to develop 
and an offensive line that will get not just experience this year, but experience in depth. And there'll be great competition in the offseason next year for starting offensive line spots. And so I think this season could be a success still. And it is a success. I mean, the 6-3, and three, they're going to a bowl. It's good. But it could be a great success if they're able to knock off Notre Dame uh, and if they're able to to continue this progress into the offseason. Because right now the trajectory of the program is up. And I expect the trajectory to continue that way. Especially the offense, which I see as this year you know, has, has some good things happening. Next year this offense should really round into form, and I think it should be back into one of the best offenses in the country. When you look at the prospect of beating Texas, Boise State, Houston, Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, if they can pull that out, and then a win over a Pac-12 team, boy, that, that certainly is, is hard to argue that that's not a fantastic season. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. And so it's easy to get down over this loss to Wisconsin. But keep in mind, Wisconsin is probably the, the second-best team in the Big Ten. They went to Ohio State, and they lost that game by a touchdown. And Ohio State's a national championship contender. And, and BYU certainly did everything that Ohio State did against Wisconsin, except they did it on the road, and they did it with an offense that is much less, um, well, in the first year of a, of a new system, and an offense that didn't click on all cylinders. And so I, 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 I've got a lot of confidence in BYU going forward. ESPN's Trevor Maddich joins BYU Sports Nation. I want to go back to the offensive line, uh, Trevor. We knew that this would be somewhat of a project given the number of newcomers, you know, eight in the recruiting class, a brand-new offensive line coach. Garrett 2J, you bring back Anai. What, what's the reasonable expectation for the rest of this year uh, for the O-line to, to improve? I think you're seeing about the best you'll see from the offensive line. I think against, against teams that are, that are decent on defense, the line will do quite well. Teams that are strong on the front seven, that are, that are in the top tier in the front seven, like Wisconsin is, they'll struggle a bit. But they keep fighting, and that's one thing I like about them that you know, you're not playing out there with the best five offensive linemen every play because you're rotating in another platoon. And yet, they still fight. Now, one thing that you notice when you take a look at the big picture is that BYU coming into this week was 13th in the nation in rushing yards per game, but 46th in yards per rush. They run a whole lot of plays, and that's why they got more yards, but their yards per rush is a little bit better than average. And so they overcome inexperience in youth by running a lot of plays and wearing down defenses. And, and as long as they're able to wear down those defenses and stream together first downs, then this offensive line is fine. You know, it's fine. But it'll get better. And that's the thing I think people have to be excited about, in that being 45th or 46th in the nation in yards per rush, for an offensive line that's playing two platoons and has a lot of inexperience in a system that's brand new with receivers that are dropping the ball too much and leaving them in, in third and long situations more often than they should be, I think there's a lot of positive there to take, not just for the rest of this season, but going forward. Trevor Maddich of ESPN joining us. You can catch Trevor on ESPN Football's College Football Live and on ESPN College Game Day Radio. You were in Tuscaloosa. Very quickly, tell me the best thing you ate down there in Alabama and where you're headed this week. Pork nachos, barbecue pork nachos. <laughs> nice. Yeah, un- unbelievable. 
And uh, this week, uh, we're home. We're back in Bristol. We've been four weeks on the road, and uh, I'm excited to be home. But I'll tell you what, when you're on the field pregame for Alabama LSU in Tuscaloosa, the, the noise, the energy, the excitement is just what college football is all about. And there's a, there's a list of stadiums that you need to go to. If you're a college football fan, you just have to put them on the bucket list, and Tuscaloosa is one of those stadiums. Did you see Catherine Webb in the crowd? I did not see her, but there were 110,000 people there. I think if there were there were only 90,000, I would have picked her out immediately. Oh, we had to ask that. You go from Chief Osceola and Florida State to uh, Tuscaloosa. Not bad, but enjoy your uh, your homecoming and uh, kicking your feet up just a little bit. Thanks, Trevor. And I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> You've earned it. Trevor Maddich on BYU Sports Nation now. So will BYU against Idaho State. Yeah, that's true. Hey, hey, no, we're not going to go there. But kind of. I went there. But kind of. <laughs> Let's whip it, my friends. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Soccer. 19th ranked BYU finished the regular season Saturday with a 6-1 victory against St. Mary's. 6-1. Yeah, bring it. To earn a three-way tie for the conference title, the Cougars will find out where they will play in the NCAA tournament today at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time on NCAA.com. Women's volleyball. 21st ranked BYU lost to Santa Clara on Saturday, which puts BYU in a tie for first in the West Coast Conference with San Diego. Next up, a home match Thursday against Gonzaga, 9 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Women's basketball. BYU defeated South Dakota State 81-53 on Friday to open the regular season and now prepares for a road game at Viva Las Vegas. Yes. So Rebels. Oh, I hate Tomorrow, that. I know, I do too. I hate that. Tomorrow chant. afternoon, or I guess evening, 6 Eastern on BYU Radio. Tomorrow, Blaine Fowler and Mike Haig will join us. Coming the sixth year senior. Yeah, Wednesday, Idaho State's head coach Mike Kramer. A rising shout today. Let's go to Cody Hoffman. The triple threat receiver doing it all for BYU. All time leader in receptions receiving yards, and touchdown catches. And he tied Austin Colley with uh, another 100-yard receiving game, 17 in his career. I'm going to go way out on a limb and say that Cody just might break that against Idaho State. I know that's super bold, but I think Cody might break that against Idaho State. <laughs> How do you feel about he, it, Jeremy? He should do it, yes. <laughs> if you don't, it's like, wait, what? <laughs> well, you know what? Do it at home because then you can acknowledge it from the PA. He, he tied the receptions mark. At home, if BYU had gotten uh, gave him one more, who was it against? Was that Middle Tennessee or Georgia Tech? I think it was Georgia Tech. He he ties the record. You just get him in there, you get one, and then the PA can say, congratulations to Cody Hoffman, the new BYU career receptions leader. And then everyone gives him his due. I love it. Like when you bring a guy out of a basketball game and everyone claps to acknowledge the performance, it's a dramatic staged moment, right? Yeah. Didn't happen with Cody. So he sets the reception record at Houston. He sets the yard record at Wisconsin. He sets the TD record at home, though. I think he's going to get a nice reception and ovation on Senior Day. Regardless. Big thanks to our guests, Trevor Maddich, David Nixon, and everyone on our crew. Producer Ben Bagley, Senior Coordinating Producer Michael Miner, Station Manager Don Shaline, Production Assistants Alan Miller and Spencer King, and our engineer... Aaron Evans. Check out new BYU Sports Nation Facebook page for show links and much more. Like and comment at your heart's content. You can also listen to episodes of the show on demand at the new BYURadio.org. For Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton, and you have just listened to BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs!